what I'm about to say is for high-risk gamblers, uh, people who understand risk, folks who understand that we're here to make money. All right, back at it. Hitting you guys with another pot and weave big fight weekend coming up. Um, so yeah, back with uh, my main man Vlad uh, at VCram Combat on Twitter. Vlad, how you doing? I'm doing great. Been a long time. In a couple of weeks, I'm uh, eager to talk some boxing, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, I think we just agreed that there's going to be a lot of traffic from casuals about uh, Fury and Ganu, and so why not kind of Hoover up some of that. Uh, interest from uh from the more casual market and uh yeah before getting we're gonna break down kind of the whole slate um all that there is to offer but yeah i think we were talking before we went on air about buatsi is he's falling apart and our kind of feelings on that um obviously kind of a disappointing fight to take off the board um did you have any thoughts on that one vlad yeah i mean it's uh the Aziz, uh, Aziz Boati fight, that was, uh, it was a bummer it fell through because uh, I was really looking forward to the card and it was kind of like a triple header it was looking like. We had the uh, Sam Gilly, Louis Green, British title fight. We had Laval, Chamberlain, again, British title fight. And then we had Aziz uh, Boati. And like all, all three fights looked pretty competitive to me on paper. And it was a shame that the best and the biggest one fell through. But uh, like props to the guys at Boxer, they they did save the card. Everyone got paid on it. Um, moved it to York Hall in like two days, three days notice. Uh, ended up being like a pretty decent event, apart from the main event, which kind of put a dampener on everything else. But Louis Green, uh, Sam Gilly was was one of the better fights I watched live in the last couple of years. So great atmosphere, great everything. Uh, props to everyone there. But yeah, again. It's a shame that Boxer just doesn't, uh, they can't seem to really kind of get going. They sign somebody big, the debut doesn't really go that well, or like a Coley, he lost, uh, Boazzi can't really get going. They even signed the the US deal and then they get the injury. So, uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it must be frustrating for the people at Boxer, but I guess they're doing the best, uh, the best they can given given the circumstances. Uh, but yeah, I'm 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 still looking towards the Boatsy's East, uh, yeah, Boatsy's East fight. Hopefully, early next year. Yeah, whenever they can get it over the line. I thought that was kind of a sleeper for one of the better fights. Um, on on the calendar. Um, yeah, kind of weirdly funny and perfect that boxers big foray into the U.S. was like Joe Laws and uh, uh, yeah, it's just a kind of. Hey, Joe Laws uh, <laughs> Hennessy Jr. was actually a good fight. I'll tell you yeah. that. The name, the name value wasn't really there. And like again, your colo to different like production values. So yeah. Yeah, d- definitely. I, I don't know if there's something that bugs anyone else, but I just feel like um it, nothing's gonna change, but like they've got to knock it off in boxing with these like injuries where uh like I don't know, Dan Aziz, it was like in his last training session, he suffered this, this uh, bizarre injury. I also noticed when like Hobbs and Conceição suffered an injury that pulled him off the top rank card. And then like moments later, it was announced that he was getting a crack at like Navarrete. And like, I know there's no real financial reason for anything to change, but I kind of wish they would just stop like making it so obvious when an injury is uh, just totally phony baloney. But um yeah i don't know as long as that fight gets rebooked i suppose all is well and good yeah i mean look i 
I'm in the business of watching fights. I don't really care who earns how much money the gate pay-per-view buys. Now, as long as the fight gets made soon enough, I'll be fine. Uh, yeah, it's frustrating when it gets done and like uh, like in the week off. And obviously then like, I don't know, like before, before we started reco- recording, you said that Sonny Edwards brought up something about York Hole not being booked. And yeah, like I'll, I'll be the first one to put on a uh, tinfoil hat and look into conspiracy theories. But again, like I don't try to do it that much now because I just think it just as a boxing fan, we're already as boxing fans, we're already jaded enough. I'm not gonna go looking for problem. Gonna go looking for problems where I don't even know they're the best. So as long as I see Aziz Blatsy in the near future or see some good fights, I'll, I'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was an entertaining enough weekend. Um, either way, I mean, we saw that Lex Rocha upset. I don't think uh, a lot of people saw that coming. So. Good stuff all around. I think it's a um a pretty decent board. I mean, certainly better than I anticipated. I kind of had this idea in my head that like nobody was going to counter program Fury and Ganu, and uh, we actually have a pretty like an okay assortment of fights um internationally. So, um yeah, some of them start Friday night. We can kind of uh dive into those. Uh, so I spent my like requisite amount of time taping, and I think like a third of it altogether was just on this like ridiculous six rounder between Damazi and Van Houter and Nafis Anas. Um, th- this dude is absurd. This Nafis Anas guy. So he's from Pennsylvania. He's got four fights and four wins, all of them in Egypt. Um, just hilarious. Like not even like Mexico. This dude's just fighting in Egypt. He's billed as like the Middle East champion. Um, two of his wins are against the same opponent. I think through social media digging that he's like uh US military and that's kind of how he wound up fighting in that part of the world. But um I don't there's a joke it. there's a joke about that somewhere. I'm I'm not gonna make it though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like I don't know. This guy is just absurd. Like I don't think he has any amateur experience at all. Um from like a youngish age, like late teens, early twenties, he was like tagging Errol Spence and like the Charlos on social media and saying he was gonna like come to the gym and beat them up um yeah his tape is just crazy too he in his last fight he um the decision win he scores two like very clean knockdowns that the ref just doesn't acknowledge at all um Mm -hmm. egypt boxing just has like a bit of a ways to go um and yeah van howder is like i think still a teenager he's got three ko ones that aren't super meaningful um he does have one majority decision in Mexico. I was trying really hard to find that fight and I came up empty. Um, so yeah, he seems real raw. I was trying to find a reason to fade him with this Anas guy, but I, I don't think we know just how low his floor can be. Like it, it could be real bad. So I just left that one alone. Um, I'll mention, I also taped the Yuri Sedeno fight uh, just cause he's someone I'm interested in. Um, I do have some thoughts on it. I'll just hold off for now. Cause we don't have totals and, I kind of don't want to, um, yeah, tip anything before we even have totals for that one. But we do have totals for the main event. Um, and yeah, why don't we just get into it? Amanda Serrano um, is a massive favorite over Danila Ramos with a 10.5 total. Uh, Vlad, do you want to kick this off? Yeah, so I guess the first thing one would note about this fight is the 12, 12 rounds by three minutes. I'm sure this is going to get uh, beaten to death. In the build-up to this fight but yeah this is something we have to kind of acknowledge and take into account because obviously uh the kind of inside the distance and the unders they suddenly become 
more appealing. I don't know by how much, but they become more appealing. That I think that minute in the uh, in the round can play a very big factor, especially for Lee. Uh, I I think uh, I've, I've always been a big proponent of free three minute rounds for the ladies, just because if you expect the uh, the sport of uh, women's boxing to grow, give them the same opportunities to find the find the finish, build the build the finish up, because two minute rounds, in my opinion, way too way too little. You just get warmed up into a round, and then ding ding ding, you already got ten seconds left. Uh, quite uh, more difficult to build any meaningful offense, especially that kind of, especially for the attrition boxes. Um, but look, uh, with all of that said, I've been on uh, Amanda Serrano inside the distance uh, more than I could count. Uh, I think I started off betting her inside the distance. The first one was the um, they had the first had the Hardy fight, and she came mighty close to stopping Heather Hardy in the first, like in the first round, two rounds, whatever. I don't remember. It was like three years. Brutal. Ago. Brutal. Yeah, and then and then like I'm watching that. I'm like, okay, this is this is this is done deal. The corner gonna throw in the towel. The replica's gonna step in. It's fine. And then just kind of slowly, slowly, it it just kind of evolves into into the eighth round. And you're like, oh, we we've only got like four minutes of this of this stuff left. Uh, yeah, so I think like the work rate or whatever like goes down a bit. Obviously, you you can't be operating at 150 percent all the time, like. When you come out like a house on fire and you don't get a finish, it's just normal to to slow down there uh, a bit later. Then I think like something similar happened against Katie Taylor as well because there was the, there was a moment in that fight where I was looking at I saw Katie Taylor getting walloped. It might have been like mid rounds. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But then again, Serrano just kind of let off the hook and didn't really capitalize on that. Uh, and obviously the the Heather Hardy fight. The second one, that's a that's a carry job as well. Hardy had no right being in the ring with Serrano at that point, and no right going the the, the distance with her at that point. So, sure, uh, Serrano's got some extra time to work with her, but like, man, I'd be damned if I'm backing her inside the distance. I don't even think the odds are that. I don't even think the odds are that uh, that good. Yeah, it's it's minus something. It's it's minus odds for for Serrano side distance. So for me, it's a pretty easy pass. But just as a word of advice, this is a uh, this is a twelve round fight, three three minute rounds. But you know, I'm just looking at bet three six five. And if you're if you're degenerate, uh, bet three six five has recently, you know, semi recently, I've started offering the uh, the punch uh, the punch stats. You could have a look at that, like Amanda Serrano is like uh, minus four hundred to throw the most punches. And that seems like a pretty safe bet to me. So if you're degenerate, you want to throw something in the parlay, do it. I don't recommend it, but you know. Yeah, even though even then you're just betting on like how many times Dan Canobio is like using his clicker, like sitting exactly. and watching it's this fight. A, you're not betting on exact science here. Yeah, as far as this fight goes, I think actually like this isn't something we plan on debating on the show. Um, but I I think I actually prefer two minutes, two minute rounds. Um, yeah, or ten two minute rounds. Like, I I can see why women fighters wouldn't want to voice those sentiments and be viewed as like regressive or whatever. But um, I do think there's something to be said for like it affecting the tenor of women fights in a positive way, making them more exciting. Um, but but like moreover, like DAZN or I. Th- Actually, I think it was like MVP promotions did this PR thing where it was like 
they got the signatures of all these like great women fighters over the years who were kind of endorsing this fight on Friday. And it's kind of like, all right, does nobody care about like the financials of it? Like, there's no way like Danilo Ramos is getting paid more for, you know, 16 more minutes of punches being landed um, than she would have otherwise. So uh, it seems kind of critical to like not mention uh, fighter pay when it oh. comes to bumping it up to 12 rounds, three minutes, but I don't know. No, that's uh, that's a very, that's a very good argument. I haven't really kind of thought about it from that side, but yeah, definitely is uh, if you look at it, they will be doing more work. They'll be absorbing more damage. So logically, I'd, like, obviously I'd want them to get paid more. Will they get paid more? Probably not, especially not the B side. So I guess if we look at it from that way, the 12 minute rounds, that kind of favors the A side, the person they want to get the knockout. Yeah, I don't know. Women's boxing, I just think, has enough issues without amending the the rounds. Like, I remember during COVID times when Matchroom had that, like, um, it was a triple header with, like, Rachel Ball, Terry Harper, and Katie Taylor, and Eddie was talking about how, like, um, because there's a triple header of all female fights, now it's going to lead to, like, increased fighter pay for women, and, like, we've seen how nothing really happened after that. So, yeah. I'll say about this fight before moving on. um, You know, it's kind of like a clever conceit from Team Serrano to be like, yeah, I would have more KOs, but I just keep running out of time. And, you know, I just don't think that's really true, um, like that she's a victim of two-minute rounds. I mean, I, I think maybe that applies for, like, the Miriam Gutierrez fight in recent years. But um, otherwise, it's like wars with Erica Cruz Hernandez and Katie, which were, were really solid fights, but a, a stoppage never seemed all that close. And then... Her distance fights with Sarah Mahfoud and um, Heather Hardy, uh, the second one, and like, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's a carry job or just looking flat, like Serrano wasn't really close to a stoppage um, either way. So I think regardless of round length, um, we're just kind of past the point of stoppages coming for Serrano. Like, I I don't think there's a flurry of additional stoppages coming in, in her career. Um, as far as the Ramos side goes, um plenty of quality names on her cv but uh she just doesn't pass the eye test for me she's got real slow footwork and she's kind of like long with all of her punches um i also made a note of it that like in her last fight versus brenda carvajal she was kind of egregious with a rabbit punches um she was docked a point but i think as the b-sider um and in the u.s uh, a ref won't be nearly as lenient and a dq could be kind of live um if she fights similarly dirty um so yeah, it's it's a well picked opponent from MVP. I think a Serrano stoppage should be live, but um, kind of like you said, Vlad, I've donated enough over the years to uh various Serrano unders and stoppages where I'm totally content just to um sit on the sidelines. Um, and yeah, we can uh move along to fight day to Saturday. We um. I think in chronological order, probably the the Germany card, or actually there's a couple of them, are going to get underway before um, anything in Saudi Arabia. Do you want to start us off with the uh, the, the Karen fight, uh, Vlad? Yeah, sure. So I gave it a bit of a, uh, I gave it a pretty quick uh, quick tape of uh, of, of Pieter uh, Rossetti because I wasn't familiar with him at all. I know Karen a bit better. Um, I was I was expecting. Uh, Pietro to look worse than than he did on tape. Uh, 
I will have to say that I didn't actually watch his most recent fight, which went to split decision, which was the fight that interested me the most because, you know, uh, I wanted to see when things, uh, how how does he deal when uh, with adversity and obviously split decision must have been a pretty close fight. But from what I've seen of Rossetti, he is a very much kind of pressure pressure fighter first, uh, pressures opponent from the from the opening bell to the uh, to, to the closing. Likes to throw in combination up close, uh, decent engine. Doesn't the power? I'm not sure, but like he seems to have a seems to have some of it. Uh, not fully feather fisted. Which the durability again? I'm unsure about. Like uh, to me, it's a question mark. I haven't seen his chin tested that much. Um, but yeah, the the eight point five is kind of tempting, just because I don't really see Karen as a. Uh, as an early finisher, I don't really see him as a as a consistent finisher as it is. Um, like sure, he has the like prior to the end of this fight, he has the kind of mid round stoppages, a couple mid round stoppages in a row in uh, in Germany. Uh, probably the best one against Ryan Martin, but yeah, but like I think. I think Pietro should be able to to go the early rounds unless he's overly aggressive, which in a sense I'm all, uh, I was almost kind of disappointed when I saw him being aggressive because I wanted to bet the over because, you know, if he's aggressive, he there's more chance that he'll walk onto something and he'll give Karen more chance to, to count him and whatnot. I'd prefer if Pietro was more like a backfoot fighter on the jab, like walking around the, on the jab. But um, I think the 8.5, the over 8.5 is tempting for me. I'm not going to bet it yet. I'll have a bit more a bit more deliberation today, tomorrow morning, uh, see where the odds go. But I am, I am, I am very much tempted about the, uh, I'm very much tempted with the over 8.5 here. Listen, you're talking about seeing where the odds go. You just tipped on the number one boxing betting podcast in the world that you're leaning toward the over. That's uh, that's going to be a juicier price tomorrow, friend. Well, there you go. Uh, or maybe it's reverse psychology. That's what Vic is to figure out. So, Yeah, 100%. Shout out uh, Vegas Vickers doing his thing. Um, yeah, so I didn't get to that one. I also didn't tape the Nina Meinke fight. She's probably going to win a decision. Um, you didn't look at that one either, uh, did you, Vlad? No, no. All right, no. cool. Um, I did look briefly at the Simone Zach and Huber fight versus Emery Cooker from France. Um, Zach and Huber is like minus three fifty. You've got a slightly juiced over eight and a half. Um, I was looking for a reason to take the under or um Zach and Huber KO. Not really knowing much about him, but um, knowing that he scored a KO last time, and actually I was kind of like not. I was underwhelmed a bit on tape. Um. Yeah, his KO um, versus his kind of smaller and older opponent last time out was a bit flukish. Um, he basically just one-punched him late in the fight following a number of, like, so-so sort of mid-rounds. Um, so it actually left me, rather than having a bet here, um, it left me more so thinking, like, we're probably going to catch Zach, Zach and Huber at some point. Um, he just seems ripe for an upset, but um, it won't be here. I just don't see enough tools in Cooker's um, toolbox to get it done. Um and then real quick, another uh, fight I covered on the Germany circuit that I actually wound up with a bet on is Leon Harth. He is uh, going to be in a cruiserweight kind of regional title fight, um, and he's minus 400 against 
Jean-Jacques Olivier. Um, you've got a, a slightly juiced over eight and a half. The bet I landed on was uh, goes the distance. I actually think minus 150, which is what I got, is a bit of a bargain. Um, I mean, first of all, like I, I didn't anticipate action here. Um, Hearth is actually the promoter as well of this event. So, like, yeah, nothing sketchy here. Um, so I thought I was just going to leave it, but I looked into it and I thought length and just kind of overs and late rounds were um, kind of generously priced here, even at juice. Um, Olivier is like a genuine hard man. Um, uh, yeah, kind of like a um, uh, speaking to that. He he was shot in the chest by like two assailants in um, 2019. And not only did he uh, survive, but he like, resumed his boxing career with little hiccup uh so yeah he seems like the man um you know in the ring i think his best days are probably behind him but there's still enough of a fighter there where um he should be able to do the 10 uh without issue um he keeps a nice high guard up uh i think he also has sufficient pop to keep hearth off of him um i look at a guy like leon hearth um at this stage of his career where he's probably thinking um about getting one or two more paydays before wrapping it up. And I I think he's like kind of on the juice as well. So I think probably once this surpasses the halfway mark of the fight, I think both guys are going to tire and just put it in cruise control and we're going to get a lot of holding. So um, I know it's an eight and a half total, but I, I'm essentially looking at this through the lens of like, we really just need to get past five. And then I think it'll be pretty safe from there. So yeah, um, if I were the the Vegas boxing handicapper for a day, I think I would probably put goes the distance a little closer to like the minus two twenty five ish range. Um, Arth points just because that's so exceedingly likely. I think would go like minus one seventy five ish. So yeah, if you're listening to this and uh, minus one fifty or thereabouts for goes the distance is still available, I think that is um, a bit of a bargain. And yeah, that brings us over to Riyadh, Saudi Arabia at the Jamal Khashoggi Memorial Superdome, um, headlined by Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou. Um, but before that, we've got a full undercard of uh, heavyweight fights. Um, just to get the ball rolling, we can talk briefly um, about Carlos Takam, who's minus, who's plus 425. Versus uh, Martin Bacoli, uh, minus 650, you got an eight and a half total with, I think, some juice on the over. I, I will admit I didn't really look too closely at this one. It just seems kind of inevitable. Bacoli will win and not really um, cover his price, so to speak. He'll, I, I foresee kind of like a, I don't know, a 97-93 sort of fight. Seems kind of Bacoli speed unless he's fighting someone... Um, a couple of levels below him, but uh, what do you think, Vlad? Do you, do you uh, disagree? No, I, I pretty much agree. I, I don't actually have a good handle on Bacoli. Style-wise and size-wise, he's somebody that I I really like. I like the kind of, the fact that a lot of his stoppages are somewhat attritional. He kind of builds, build, builds into it. He's not exactly just like a one-punch guy. But then that, that also has led me to, to being frustrated with him because sometimes it just he seems that if he just kind of puts his foot on the gas a little more, he, he will be able to utilize his size and uh, better and uh, be able to get people out of there quicker. But uh, sometimes he just seems to be content to kind of throw tippy-tappy shots. Um, the cam is an interesting one. Uh, obviously, both men coming off, uh, well, beat uh, Tony Yoka recently. Uh, Takam 
Uh, was that the camp's most recent fight, the Tony Yoko one? He well, didn't he fight Arsene back following that, or was it before? I think that was before. Uh, I might be wrong. Okay. Yeah, or or, or after. Well, uh, anyway, the camp's uh, another weird one. He's somebody that we think is pretty much. Uh, on the downside of his career for the last five, six years, and he's still kind of hanging around in that same same area, getting the kind of young or youngish up-and-coming prospects some tough fights, but then ultimately falling short when he takes, uh, takes a little step up. So, yeah, I don't know. It could be a bit of a weird one. I'm going to skip. Like, I don't have a good angle on uh, is this going the distance, is this not going the distance, is the camp mm-hmm. going overnight, and... Bacoli's size and physicality be just too much for him. I, I like absolutely no idea for this one. I, I think I have a better handle on pretty much everything else uh, on this card. Like I, I'm not even sure like what's the thinking with this matchmaking is. I don't know what the fuck they're doing with Bacoli's career. He's just been circling round and round on pretty much the same level, occasionally going down, occasionally going up, but never, never having the big cut. Like the Tony Yoka fight, you should not be fighting Carlos de Camp after be Tony Yoka on the road because uh, Bacoli is in the spring chicken and I'm sure he's a good fight and Billy Nelson never lets me forget that he's a good fight on Twitter because anytime fucking somebody mentions Martin Bacoli in the Twitter post Billy Nelson's going to be there telling you how great he is and he beats all the heavyweights and sparring but until I see it actually in the ring and I see him win those kind of big important fights I, I don't know what to make of him Everything I see skill wise, I like it. I like the kind of big heavyweights of a decent engine, but can be quite disappointing as well when he doesn't really feel like getting his man out of there. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, it's kind of like a frustrating fact of life that heavies just don't really fight a lot. Um, I can kind of forgive the layoff after Yoka because that was a fairly grueling 10 rounder, I think it was, or was it 12? Yeah, it was 10. Um, so I can see that, but I don't understand why he took, um, essentially like six months off following the Ihor Shevodetsky fight. I mean, that was mm-hmm. light, that was light work. It was three round, less than three rounds. Um, so I, I know remember. I wasn't the over for that one. Same here. Yeah. Brutal. Uh, but um, a point being, I just don't know why you would take a six month layoff following that and maybe um, promotional issues or what have you. But yeah, I, I think he probably needs to win impressively um, to build some momentum. And I'm kind of skeptical of that happening. Um, Moving along, uh, Moses Italma is minus a billion over this. Uh, is he Romanian? Uh, what is uh, Hungarian? Hungarian. Pardon me. Uh, Istvan Bernath, uh, a big old boy. Uh, you're looking at a two and a half total. Some steam is starting to hit the under. I'll just kick us off here. I mean, I watched enough of Bernath. There's not a ton um, of his domestic here in the U.S. kind of professional experience online, but everything I saw led me to think that um, his KO loss to Terrell Jamal Woods wasn't just this like freakish one-off um, occurrence because he's gotten hit clean like multiple times um, against these Mid-South, Midwest um, American journeyman fodder. So that just sort of leaves me to think he'll be target practice for Moses. I think they'll probably stand roughly similar height level. Maybe East Vaughn will be a bit taller, but uh I think that benefits Moses or it'll be lighter work than if he was fighting someone smaller and kind of more um, evasive. I think East Vaughn is just going to be there, you know, willing to get hit for however long the fight lasts. Um, I do think, you know, we've seen that Italma is willing to use fights to work on things. 
Uh, so that could be a barrier to this um, underhitting. But otherwise, I think it's just Italma versus himself. We're just going to be kind of curious to see how he looks. Um, did you have a chance to look at this one, Vlad? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I'm obviously I'm very familiar with Moses Itoma. Uh, Istvan, I haven't actually taped him. So, um, but yeah, everything you're going, um, everything that the Chief said, it seems like pretty, um, it seems like smart mat- matchmaking from... Uh, for for Moses really, uh, somebody that you can get out of here pretty pretty quickly won't be too slippery awkward like uh, like we saw Konstantin uh, Konstantin Dobrychenko was it like last year or earlier this year took Moses around somebody that's kind of a bit on the smaller side bit more mobile durable um, look two point five I think Moses. Moses probably gets him out of there but again I haven't actually taped this uh, Istvan so. I'll do I'll do that later today, but like everything you've said, like that two point five total, that seems pretty, that seems semi tempting. Just because I'll I basically parrot my my thoughts. I'll slowly move into the Arslan Dek Makhmadov and uh, Junior Anthony Wright fight, uh, which the total there I got it at two point five at um, minus minus hundred sixty three. Um, I think. Mahmoudov and Wright and the tournament, fair enough. I think the matchmaking here is pretty much similar. You are in the big card. You're a heavyweight. They're gonna get you a. Uh, we're gonna get you an opponent that you can get out of there early, because for somebody like Moses, there might be. There's there's definitely an argument for him to get the rounds in, get his experience in, but that will be against a certain certain type of an opponent and at a certain. Uh, venue, you you do that at your call. You do that at the smaller or venues. Here, he will have more eyeballs on him than usual. This is like a big pay per view, rightly or wrongly, whatever. There's some hype behind it. I think uh, for Moses, they're doing a showcase fight. I think for Aslanbek Makhmadov, they're doing a showcase fight as well. Uh, they expect him to to get them out of there early. Look. Uh, now I'm just moving on to the uh, junior junior Anthony Wright. He's old. He's undersized. He's coming on. He said like was it three three weeks notice, one month notice, not too long. Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's a pretty kind of pretty easy bet for me. I expect Mahmoudov to get him out of there in the first round, really. But if you're gonna give me an additional one and a half rounds, I'll take it all day long. I think uh, Mahmoudov. Rounds one and two should be pretty safe here. Yeah, for sure. Um, to give listeners like a peek behind the curtain, I kind of fancied this fight as like a fun little host versus host um duel going on because I did initially take some um over one and a half because I'd emerged on Bet Online and I was like, surely Hurricane Wright is kind of skilled enough to at least survive four and a half minutes, and then um I just did further tape and kind of recon and. I agreed with Vlad and I bought out of my stake. Um, yeah, I, I don't like this fight at all in, in, in like any way at all for right. Um, because of his promoter, you know, he's aligned with Rodney Rice, who's kind of increasingly getting some clout on like the East Coast circuit. I kind of assumed um, that he would have gotten sufficient notice for his guy uh, right for this fight, but it's actually only like three weeks. And that's a, uh, that's not immaterial. I don't think, you know, three weeks, for any fight is kind of suboptimal, but when you're flying across the world to fight a guy like twice as big as you, I just don't like it at all. Um, 
you know, I'd fond memories of Wright from his fight against um Colby Madison, who's kind of like a useful East Coast journeyman, because Colby's like um considerably bigger than Wright and and uh Junior scored this highlight real KO. But I rewatched that fight and I watched a quick post fight interview that night where Wright was um talking about how Colby apparently uh hit him in a way in the first round that caused him to kind of lose his bearings and need to kind of get his footing back and he also said uh at the time so this is like 2022 maybe um that that fight was a like a moment where he knew he needed to go down and wait so i don't think he's just changed his mind since then it's probably just a financial reason that he needs uh whatever money he's making from the arsene beck fight um so all of those factors i also watched his media workout and it just didn't look good like it's a kind of juvenile approach, I suppose. But I just watched him hitting pads. I looked at kind of the paunch on right, which he hasn't always had. He's actually, for a cruiser, heavy hybrid, usually been in pretty good shape. Um, he doesn't look terribly fit to me. Um, so coupling all that with his chin issues historically, like I'm not a huge Arslan Beck guy macro. But um, I, yeah, th- this could very well be over and around. I, I have a lot of difficulty envisioning right withstanding um this offense so yeah i completely endorse your bet vlad i think if they're uh under two and a half on the market i think they're if they're reasonably priced like um our slim back rounds one two like those groupings that's probably fine also um yeah. and look i would just add something i'm not a huge aslan guy either this is not me saying that the, the, this is the future world champ we're getting 2.5 or 1.5 doubles on him. We should be all over that. This is not going to last. No, I think Arslan Beck is... We kind of know what he is as a fighter. He's He hits hard. He's big. But he's also very limited. He's struggling. In the, I think, like, if uh, if Wright was coming in in good shape and whatever, like, a bit younger, he could cause Arslan Beck problems just because he's smaller, a bit more mobile. Like, look at the Takam fight. Takam uh, like, gave Makhmadov a tough fight. Uh, Makhmadov will be es- exposed sooner rather than later, I think. Like, when there's, a, there's a reason they didn't step him up yet, you know? There's a reason he fought a 40-something-year-old Carlos Takam, and now he's fighting uh, Junior Anthony Wright. So, um, yeah, I just think Arslan uh he's a type of fighter that will... He will cover the unders more often than not, especially when fighting below a certain level of opposition. And I think this is just the spot. A hundred percent. Yeah, I couldn't put it any better myself. I mean, he, he'll get got at some point. I just think um, he is fairly young into this co-promotional pact with I have the Tiger and top rank, and there's more money to be made off him. So you're going to get these junior Anthony Wright types um, until it's time for them to kind of cash him out or, or see what he can do. Um, I think I think you know what they'll do. They'll do Makhmadov versus Big Baby next year. Because I thought I thought that's what they were supposed to do. Um, weren't they on the same card recently? The the, uh, Tole- the Toledo show, yeah, yeah. And Anderson beat Charles Martin. I thought like that was initially built as a mini tournament when it was Anderson. He was supposed. Who was he supposed to fight? I think it was who did who pulled out before Martin stepped in. I'm trying to remember, was um, it Kosoputsky? Yes, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's yeah, why he fought. I thought, uh, a I thought that's how Top Rank initially kind of marketed. We're gonna have we're gonna have full heavyweights as like as like a little mm-hmm. tournament. 
and then the winners fight. But obviously, Anderson had like a bit of a letdown spot against Martin, so they probably decided to okay, let's kind of let's go a bit slow for this one. But I think in the I think eventually what Top Rank will do is uh, Anderson Makhmedov as a as all cash out for Makhmedov. Oh, hey, maybe he catches Anderson, and then everyone's uh, everyone looks silly. Yeah, hundred percent. I I wouldn't view that as a cash out fight. I mean, in light of some of the things we've seen and heard from Big Baby, and like how yeah. serious he might not be about boxing yeah, his future, yeah. that actually that would be a pretty yeah. interesting fight. Yeah, cash out, cash out's probably too harsh for Makhmedov and very disrespectful to how he's treating his career. I, yeah, just like that would be the. I think that would be like step up where Top Rank is kind of throwing him of the, of the of the sharks and. For Anderson's the same. Uh, hey, hopefully, hopefully I'm right. That'd be some nice ma- matchmaking for them. Yeah, uh, just be sure to keep that same energy, Vlad. Um, <laughs> moving along to a fight, I wound up having um, pretty significant interest in Joseph Parker minus six hundred over Simon Keen, the Canadian, plus four hundred, um, seven and a half total. Before I get to my spiel, do you have any um, thoughts on this one, Vlad? Um, not too much. I mean, like I'm. I'm in a weird spot with Joseph Parker. It's pretty much he's he's another one of those fighters that should be much better than than he is. I think he's a I think he's an underachiever. Uh, if you remember, like Joseph Parker coming up, fuck me, this was like the next like this is this was the Anthony Joshua from uh, from like down south from 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 New Zealand. This was like a, the the big prospect that that was supposed to come the the next generation of heavyweights. And whenever I really kind of started watching him, like during his prospect run, I was always a bit confused because I never saw it. Like, anytime I watched him, he looked very much ordinary. And was it the Takam fight again? He could have lost that when did he he fought Takam, didn't he? Way back. I'm just basically anytime I watch Joseph Parker, he, he in his kind of come up, he's never really looked that great. And yeah, so I don't know. I don't know where he's at with his career. Is he just kind of? Is he on a money making tour here now after after the Joe Joyce defeat? He is staying pretty active, so I'll give him that. And I think he does have a good um, good connection with Andy Lee as a boxer as a boxer coach relationship. And he like in all honesty, Simon Keen is not somebody I rate highly at all. So. In a sense, this is another spot for Joseph Parker to show what uh, to show what's up. But I just think I've, I've been let down by by Parker in spots like that so many times that yeah, that I'm not I'm, I'm not like rushing to the window to bet the under. But I think if if you're gonna bet something, bet the under. But then again, uh, Parker went the distance of Jack Massey with an undersized Jack Massey, and it was a relatively. There was nothing in that. There was nothing exciting in that fight. So, uh, you could say I'm a Joseph Parker hater. So, and I'm only a Joseph Parker hater because I think he can be so much better than than what he than what he shows in the ring. Like even if we go back to the fucking Derek Chisora fight, the the second one where where he was battering Chisora and he dropped Chisora like three times, and Chisora looked like he was barely walking. Somehow Chisora made it to twelve rounds. So. That like that's probably the fight that encapsulates Joseph Parker for me. He can look great. He like quick, fast, whatever hurts Chisora. But then, okay, like the judges' scorecards, they were bollocks for that. But even if you read then, one fourteen, one twelve, one fifteen, one eleven, one fifteen, one ten, 
those are not the schools that should be read out when Derek Chisora is barely st- standing in the eighth round. And it's Derek Chisori's, with all due respect, you should not be in the ring anymore. And you're still going the distance with the corpse of Chisora after dropping him three times? Yeah, I'm not I'm not rushing to bet Park inside the distance anytime soon. Yeah. Um, good deal. I mean, I'll counteract some of your um some of your Parker negativity and hate and bad vibes with um some some positive words for him. I, I will say he's had a more active 2023 than a lot of um these kind of young fighters coming up. So even if it's kind of subpar oppo, I'll I'll just give him a little tip of the hat for an aging gatekeeper. He doesn't need to be fighting as much as he is so good good on him and i think simon keen is like a nice little dessert for the 2023 he's had um and and kind of a proper and just reward for him um you know i i think keen is is kind of like food for fellow heavyweights and you're just like licking your chops looking at this guy i mean he's muscle bound he's got a near perfect record um but he just happens to be a pretty bad fighter i mean I, the Tiger, has been trying to make it happen for him, match him with all of the guys that you would expect to go down early, whether it's a dive or not, like Eric Molina, Don Hainsworth. Um, and even in these fights, he's just really underperformed relative to expectations. Like, who who in 2023 is letting Eric Molina have moments against them? Um, and even, like, a a guy who is washed but still kind of skillful in Shondell Winters, uh, proved to be a scare by dropping him. And I'm sure I have the tiger to not anticipate that. So yeah, um, I'll, I'll go contrary to, uh, to my co-host here, you know, mentioning not running to the window to bet the under I am, I think it's actually a really good spot. I think more often than not from a betting perspective, I really enjoy these spots where someone who is not conventionally a puncher or someone who is not viewed as a threat, is handed an opponent who is like a level or two below uh, where they're at. You know, I understand the the trepidation surrounding Chisora and like Jack Massey. I I would say Massey was like more agile than Parker, able to fight negatively and survive. Um, Chisora, you could just hit him in the head with a two by four and he won't fall over. Um, King doesn't have any of that. He's just real chinny. He he gets on skates um, right away. I mean, we saw in his lone career defeat to this guy, Dylan Carman, that he's capable of getting stops like prolifically as a really nasty KO. But then under the radar, when he avenged that loss, he also got wobbled again. Carmen found his chin again and Keen had to kind of survive another scary moment. And I just think Keen doesn't have the survival tools at his disposal that perhaps guys like Chisora and Junior Fa and uh, yeah, Jack Massey might have. So I think, you know, this is a fight for Parker to kind of show out. I think under seven and a half is a real good play. Um, I'm also probably going to tack on some early round groupings. I just don't see an assurance that Simon Keen goes deep into this fight. Um, you know, from what I've seen from media obligations, Parker is also in good shape for this one. Um, yeah, he's a guy who's probably motivated solely by money at this point, but that's a pretty good motivating factor. And if he gets Keen out of there, he's right back in the mix for you name it, uh, Arslanbeck, uh, Big Baby, any of these kind of gatekeeping tests where he can get paid handsomely. So I actually feel pretty strongly about this under. It's uh, probably, yeah, probably my favorite spot of the weekend. Um, I understand it's Joseph Parker, so you're kind of holding your nose a little bit. But uh, yeah, it's just a 
it's as much an investment in him as it is me saying that I don't think Simon Keen is like a really serious heavyweight um, at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like it's a, I was just going to say it's an interesting way. Like I'm, a, I'm approaching this kind of the under inside the distance move. I'm not liking it more because I don't like, I don't trust Joseph Parker and you're probably, you're liking it because this is more of a fade on Simon Keen. So that, that tells me what I'm going to do after we finish our podcast. I'm going to do a deep dive into Simon Keen's career and I'll text you my thoughts after because um, look, I, uh, Pretty much everything that you say, I like. I can I can see that. Uh, I can see it on paper. I just haven't really, really watched uh, Simon Keen deep enough to be confident in fading him. But hey, this is yeah. I can I I can definitely I can definitely see your angle, and uh, maybe maybe I'll join you on the dark side of the unders. I'm not usually I'm not like you know I'm not usually an unders guy, but you know. Uh, for for a special heavyweight card, maybe I'll have to maybe I'll have two unders in there. Maybe I'll have two unders on it. Um, yeah, and, and listen, for a heavyweight under, you're getting Simon Keane as well. So if he sparks Parker, if Parker looks incredibly old overnight, then the, mo- the money is just as green. All right, why don't we get to the co-main event? There's a pretty interesting fight um, with uh, some mild line movement. Um, we've seen Fabio Wardley become a kind of more approachable favorite. I saw him at minus 280. On uh, Bet Online, uh, opposite David Adelaide, who is plus two twenty. The British title, I think, is on the line here. Um, we're also looking at now a six and a half total. I think that was once seven and a half. Um, so yeah, a lot of uh, contrasting opinions on the timeline. Uh, everyone's got a different opinion. Folks, I respect are on uh, each side here. What do you make of this one, Vlad? Yeah, I think I think I think we're kind of on opposing sides here. I'm one of the people. That's on David Adelaide. And even be, like when the fight got announced, I remember pretty well. I wrote in our little super secret group, uh, what do you guys think the odds will be? And I said, I'd probably line Adelaide as a slight favorite, to which pretty much everyone in the group said, no, like Wardley minus 200, Wardley moderate favorite. So, like when the odds came out and Adelaide was uh, plus 250, plus 200, what would I get him at? Yeah. Plus two fifty. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of forced to bet because you know, uh, put uh, put my money where my mouth is. So um, look, the way I see it, I think Woodley is probably further along in his development as a boxer. He's higher. He's closer towards the ceiling right now. Whilst Adelaide is more of an unknown. We've seen him struggling against Sasakalowski. But to be honest, as a, like as a young boxer. I almost see it as a positive that he went, what is it, eight rounds with, with Sakalovsky? It, was, argue, it like, was six, I think, right? Six, six, not whatever. Yeah, he 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 won rounds with Sakalovsky. And okay, you picked up a controversial decision. I thought I thought he lost. That's fine. But like I still think he probably learned way more from those from that fight than than he would have done from from pretty much anything he did prior or after. Um, he keeps his own whatever. Um, and to Adelaide's credit, he has been he has looked uh, much improved since, since the Sakalovsky fight, or at least it looks like he's improving from fight to fight. Ooh, um, I don't know if I agree with that one. Okay, no, that's uh, that's fair enough. Um, but Woodley, Woodley, somebody like I kind of wanted to fade for a while, just because like he doesn't come from there's no amateur background. He's he came in like he had a bit of white collar boxing, didn't he? 
a good athlete, probably has good instincts, but still very raw. He's not, I guess he's not your kind of conventional prospect. He's a bit older, does things a bit, a bit differently, uh, but it works for him. And he's getting people out of there and he's getting people out of there on a consistent basis. So uh, perhaps it's it's more in me that I'm not seeing something of Wardley that, uh, that, supposed to, that I'm supposed to be seeing. But I do think he's operating like the next. This could be the step up that he takes and he loses or it will be the next one. I, I don't think he's going much, much further than where he is now. And that is absolutely no disrespect to Fabio Wardley. I, uh, he's, He's done great, and he and he can probably continue having a pretty pretty damn good career. He's a good fighter. He's he he's a very fun fighter. He's always a pretty fun fight. Um, but it's just like uh, like at the odds, I, I'm 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 almost forced to take to take Adelaide here. Um, if I had to line it, like I said, I initially I said Adelaide slight favorite, but yeah, I'll, I'll give you Wardley slight favorite, but like around minus one fifty or something like that. Things are much much closer fight than uh, uh, than it is on uh, odds wise, and if anything, if uh, perhaps what I'm betting betting on as well is that I expect to see more improvements from Adelaide from his last fight than I expect him to see from Wardley. So if anyone's gonna improve incrementally between the last fight and, and the most recent fight, and this fight, I expect it to be Adelaide. Which kind of brings down the odds uh, a little more as well in the, in my head. So uh, again, mm-hmm. I'm not going on anything anything crazy, but like I'll be I'll, I am on I am on Adelaide, and I'd I'd like I'd recommend that as a little like like I call those value bets. If if in my head the value should be completely different, so I can't really go against my own analysis and not bet that. Oh oh oh. I'll bet that if I lose, I'll be completely fine with it because I know in my head I made a good value bet. Uh, <laughs> as funny as that sounds, so yeah, I have absolutely no. Uh, this is this is an easy bet for me to to bet, and this is and this will be an easy bet for me to take if it loses. This is to me, this is like perfectly how betting should work for me. I line I line a fight in my head a certain way. The lines come out. I don't agree with that. I bet it. Uh, pretty simple. No need for me to to do a deep dive or do uh, like analysis of how they throw their right hands or whatever. The the footwork. No, like I line it in my head one way, it comes out the other way. I'll take that little. I'll take that little difference every day. Yeah. No, that's all there is to betting. I mean, you come up with your line and compare it to what what's available. So um, even if we disagree on the outcome um i definitely respect the the dog shot here if you feel there's value and i also won't disagree too um aggressively because i think you know if i really felt um this line was off in any way i would put my money behind it and i'm not i just i just think wardley will win um taking a step back with adelaide i think actually like frank warren has done a really good job with him i think um you know especially post sokolowski like if you're in the UK and you're excited about heavyweight boxing and that's your favorite division, let's say there's not been a lot to get excited about in the kind of wake of AJ's prime, you know, I mean, you got Fury knocking about, um, but it didn't really work out with Daniel Dubois. His career's trajectory is not on the upswing. Um, I mean, Dillian White, a drug cheat, um, Fraser Clark has just turned in dud after dud following the Olympic run. 
I mean, Moses Atalma could work out someday, but you're looking at a proposition that's like a couple of years off. Um, Joe Joyce um, unceremoniously stopped twice by Zong, and the cupboard's kind of bare otherwise. So I like that Frank Warren has put these like bags of meat in front of Adelaide, this sculpted guy, and just said, hey, get these guys out of there and look good doing it. And it's a good way to kind of build a following. Um, so I respect that. I just I just do also think it's a bit manufactured. And it's kind of why I took issue with the with the idea that he's just gotten better post Sokolowski. I just think the opposition's really gotten worse. I mean, you're looking at a really like low level um of competition in the wake of of that fight. Um I, I think I I'm particularly sour on him post Amadovich. Um I think that is a guy who you know, you, you shouldn't be going five competitive-ish rounds and then having the guy retire on his stool. I think ideally Adelaide would have um would have put him out. I, I think when it comes to Wardley, who I'm it's not like I'm immensely high on either. Um I, I think one factor here that is not insignificant is Eddie has given him several opportunities to fight on these high visibility, well attended main cards. Um where he's comfortable, like in the spotlight, and Adelaide has largely, you know, he he's headlined on these York Hall shows. That's really cool. Um, but he's also, when it's not that, he's fighting, you know, before no crowds due to COVID. So I I don't think it's impossible that he kind of suffers a, a bit of stage fright or comes out to a slower start than possible just because of the extraordinary circumstances of being the co-main mm. of a card like this. Um. So, yeah, I, I just want to throw that out there because I, I can foresee people criticizing Wardley in that way. He's had a lot of kind of listless starts in his career, but I just think um, Adelaide's kind of live to start trepidatious as well. Um, yeah, I think the money lines are sharp. Um, I was considering like dutching the 7 to 12 and points for Wardley, but I, I don't want to like drown myself in these like micro outcomes because all i really think here is just that wardley's gonna win and if i go that approach and disqualify myself from like wardley one to six which i don't think is at all impossible um i'd really feel like a jackass uh, even more so than usual so yeah i'm just leaving this card be like whatever if there's live betting and wardley gets off to a slow start then maybe but um aside from that i just think lines are good uh you know uh, so from the sideline, if I truly have no action, I'll just root for you and Adelaide. And maybe it is the case that Adelaide's improved, but um, I think I'd like him to show me as opposed to investing in Adelaide on the heels of wins over Amir Madovic and Dimitri mm-hmm. Bezos and Elvis Garcia and so forth. You get my point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's a, I think it's a pretty, Pretty good analysis from you. And to be honest, like I, I was just checking. I thought Wardley was way. I thought Wardley was older than he is. He's only twenty eight. I thought he was in his thirties. So perhaps my uh, my words about his ceiling uh, might not be fully accurate. So uh, obviously heavyweights uh, operate on a slightly different uh, clock to to everyone else. So perhaps I've been a bit too harsh on Wardley, but um, my general analysis of uh, Adelaide being the value side that that still stands. Yeah, completely. And Wardley is ultimately a guy I, I bet against when he fought. Um, fuck me, what's this guy's name? Roman. Um, 
no, 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 no. Uh, Nick Webb. <laughs> I was like all oh, over. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was on all over Nick Webb. Nick Webb, looked, <laughs> Nick Webb looked great for about eighty percent of the first round. Yeah, they got bonked. Yeah, I was excited about eBay too before the the Kingsley eBay fight got scrapped. So, yeah, very much not a guy I'm like historically just a fanboy of. I just think this is a uniquely um a decent matchup for him. Um, and then yeah, so wrapping up this um heavyweight kind of should show card we got tyson fury uh lines are going to fluctuate like crazy as of this recording i saw him at minus 1250 on bet online over francis and ganu plus 700 um it's a five and a half total i think it was four and a half previously um i'll keep my thoughts brief because i think vlad has a more um thoughtful breakdown i'm just not really interested in this fight i think if folks want to like yeet a ton of Tyson Fury because this is like, you know, McGregor versus Mayweather 2.0 as far as betting opportunities go, then I guess I can't really offer any points to the contrary. I just, uh, I'm not terribly interested by virtue of it being a heavyweight fight, which just, I think allows a bit more, um, spontaneity and weirdness. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't have a lot to say on this fight. Vlad, what do you think? So I've got two words for you, MMA angles. Let's go. They're, they're different. So it's something very difficult to kind of take into account when you're capping boxing, just because like all the angles are off. I had to get my protractor out for this one. And the conclusion <laughs> that I've come is that the 4.5 could actually be the over 4.5 total could actually be interested. Uh, interesting just because um look, there's no there's no real technical breakdown for this fight because Ganu had zero boxing fight and yeah, uh, I just think Fury will probably carry, try and carry Ganu out and Ganu a little bit. Fury's, he's not above doing that. He has done it with, uh, with a lot of uh, undermatched opposition. And I think here, from what I've heard, the ring's going to be huge. And it would kind of be a bit of a, uh, it'd be a bit of a shame for all of that promotion hype and for Fury to just kind of go out there and deal with Nganu the way he should realistically kind of make it seem like that fight was a total it was a total scam and nothing about it and Ganu, uh, Fury should be able to get Nganu out of there in two rounds and make him look silly but I think Fury's a businessman he knows where his bread is buttered he's been talking about the Saudis all week long how well they're treating him so surely in my head There'd be some sort of a, there'll be some sort of smoke and mirrors and a bit of a charade before the, uh, before the finish comes. And and not to shit on Ganu because I'm sure like the boxing hardcores are gonna do that for me all week, uh, all week long, and then after after the fight as well uh, if he loses. But um, personally, I'm 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 stoked. I'm stoked for Ganu. I'm happy he's getting his payday. He's deserved it. This is great. And we take the boxing boxing skill uh, out of the equation uh, just for a moment. Ganu has always shown a lot of toughness, a very good chin. So I think he will come. I think a way to look at it from Ganu, this is basically the culture. Uh, this is the culmination of his life's work. He's been very vocal that he that he wanted to be a boxer before he became an MMA fighter. Blah blah blah. This is the this is where he wants to be, and now he's better. He's getting by far the biggest payday of his uh, of his career, as well as somewhat of a. Uh, this is 
like this is a legacy defining fight from Ganu. Win, lose, draw, whatever. But I think he's gonna come he's gonna come to this fight prepared physically, and he will be prepared to survive some 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 trouble from Fury. With all those kind of factors thrown in, I like the 4.5. But in reality, look, I can't sit down, just sit here and give you a breakdown and tell you technically why this will go over 4.5 rounds. Everything that I'm telling you now, they're intangibles and you should be pretty much warned beforehand. Everything I've said now, that could be wrong. That that could just be me making stuff stuff in my head. But to me, that seems to be like the logical conclusion that Fury will try and carry Ganu a little bit. A four point five round seems to be seems to be a good number for me. Nganu is tough. I think he can survive a little bit, even if things get a, even if things get tough. So four point five seems like a good number. Apart from that, I can't really give you much much analysis on this fight because we don't really know anything. Well, we know we know that Fury is the much better boxer. Nganu punches hard, but hey, so do so does pretty much every heavyweight. Um, and I'll 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 quickly go back to what you said about people looking at this fight like uh like an investment opportunity similar to Mayweather McGregor. But let's compare the odds here a little bit. Tyson Fury's minus one thousand two hundred and fifty or whatever you like you said it will fluctuate. Uh, for what I remember, Floyd pretty much closed at about minus four hundred minus five hundred. That's a that's a big difference, you know. Um, if you want to be one of those people uh, that says, oh, this is like a once-in-a-lifetime uh, investment opportunity, I'm going to go over my uh, go over my uh, set uh, set uh, set limit uh, per one fight to bet, I mean, I'd probably recommend against that. Uh, the Floyd-Connor fight was a stance on its own with the value that we got and the, and, and, and the numbers that we got. So... Yeah, like money line, not really see anything appealing. If anything, I'd, I'd I'd take the over. Apart from that, it's a bit of a it's a it's it's an exhibition fight. Like how we we could pretty much break down the next Misfits card, and I'll come out with a similar analysis to that. So, yeah, yeah, completely. <clears throat> um, yeah, I guess the only other thing I'll mention it's not like necessarily like a snide, like oh, I'm. I'm better than capping the sort of fight. I also just happen to be like shitty at these circus fights. Like I think I'm O for Jake Paul fights lifetime. So, um, yeah, I just I'm not interested in like trying to improve as a um kind of ten pole fight capper. I'm just better at boxing. I I prefer it. I'm not really interested in like prognosticating on how Ngannou does versus the best heavyweight in the world. So I'm content to move on. Um, so later in the evening, we've got a matchroom offering in Mexico. Kind of curiously, we only have odds for um three of these fights. I don't know if any more are coming prior to Saturday. Um, I guess it makes sense. There's only three 10 rounders on the card. Um, yeah, one of them is Eduardo Nunez fighting Oscar Escondone. Um, Nunez is a prohibitive money line favorite. Um, I don't think either of us looked at this fight just because there are no. There are no methods of victory. Um, there are no totals. So um, just no interest. Yeah. Leaving that one be um, did glance at Justice Hooney, the Australian. Or is he from New Zealand? Uh, uh, I, believe, I believe Australian. I believe. Yep. Oh, okay. uh, one for one. Yeah. So uh, we got Justice Hooney minus 2000 against um, Andrew Tabidi um, plus 900, eight and a half total. 
Um, you know, I suppose you can make a case for lines being um a smidge wide here or overs slash goes a distance, what have you, being value considering just how often Huni uh fights late, but I just don't really see Tabidi as much of a serious fighter at this stage of his career. He's eminently skilled, but um, it never really happened for him. Mayweather never really um kind of delivered uh, as far as activity goes. Uh, if my memory of that whole situation serves, um, I don't think physically he really belongs at heavy. Um, I I thought he looked poor against the the bodybuilder guy he fought in Saudi Arabia, like a little more than a year ago. I also think this fight was originally going to be booked on a prior matchroom show, like in, um, uh, in new Orleans, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, so yeah. I think, I think uh, they just want to be on standby as an opponent for Hooney's CV and to give Hooney some rounds. Um, I don't think Andrew has much of an upside in this fight aside from offering professional resistance. Um, do you, do you feel otherwise, Vlad? No, no, I, I agree. Um, look, Another thing we kind of have to mention here is uh, neither guy has been like overly active in the uh, in the last year. So I believe Tabiti is going to be more than a year out and Huni nearly a year out. So I think Huni's coming back from an injury. So there's a lot of that, those kind of factors in there. But yeah, um, I like Huni. I like Huni as a prospect as a heavyweight prospect the fact that he goes that he can go 10 rounds to me that's even the feather in his cap sure like he can work on his punching power and whatnot but the skills the skills are there um to bt look i remember him compete like his kind of peak was when he entered the world series of boxing he went to fight fife in russia that was a horrible fight super messy he got the decision there and then he fought Dorothy Cause and he just kind of got shut out and stopped late. So, and since then he's had three fights in uh, in three years against lower level opposition. So yeah, I don't know where his head is at. What what stage of career is uh, to be at in his in in his in his own mind? Is he going in as a, as an opponent for Justice Hooney, or is he going in there to win in his own head? I don't know, but look, the odds seem to be around. The, yeah, no, nothing really jumps out. Nothing really jumps out to me because, like, on one hand, the BT probably very much in the downswing of, of his career, but then just this Hooney, you can really trust him to, you can really trust him to be stopping people. He's been 10 rounds. Uh, well, he's got one, the 10, uh, 10 round stoppage, and the other three fights have gone the full 10 round distance in his last four fights. So, Likely this goes over eight point five and whatnot, and maybe there's a late stoppage. But again, we're, I don't want to be putting too much uh, too much confidence onto how the BT looks and whatnot, and betting the over. So it's a pass to me. I like Huni as a prospect, so I'm just gonna watch this more like from a uh, like as a, a, a as like a little scouting mission for the for the mm-hmm. future. Because I I really think Huni could be somebody that uh, uh, is up there in the next uh, three four years. Yeah, totally. And and going the rounds with um someone like Joseph Goodall has obviously aged really well in the wake of his upset of um Stefan Shaw, and I think he's uh fighting a Jogba next. So um yeah, I I've not followed Hooney as closely as you have, but I'll I'll certainly be tuned in for this one. Um the main event is a fight that I have some action on. We've got Oshaki Foster, and uh yeah, he's heading on enemy soil to uh defend his strap against 
Eduardo, Rocky, Hernandez. Um, so odds have tightened quite a bit. Like it, it opened pretty decently off. Um, Rocky was at one point like plus 290, I think. And now he's all the way down to plus 125. Um, Foster hanging in at like minus 155. You're looking at a 10 and a half total juiced on the over. Um, I've got some thoughts here, but do you want to kick it off first, uh, Vlad? Sure. I really like this fight. This could be... Uh, in my head, this is the fight of the weekend. Uh, yeah, not a lot of promotion behind it. Well, a bit of promotion, but I think I think this could be like really, really good just because Rocky uh, Rocky Hernandez is fighting and he only knows one. He only really knows one direction is forward, go even to his own detriment, as we saw in his uh, least Roger uh, Roger Gutierrez. Uh, yeah, like a real throwback fight, a killer be killed, uh, Oshaki Foster, I like him as well, he's kind of turned his career around, hasn't he, this is more of a, one of kind of boxing's success stories in a sense, tough start to, to a career, he was what, like 10 and 2 at one point, mm-hmm. and now it's a world champion actually defending his titles on on the big stage, and he's a, he's coming in here as a favourite, but... Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not rushing to bet Oshaki Foster, despite how uh, flawed and vulnerable Hernandez can be. Um. Yeah, I'm. 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 I'm just gonna sit it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna sit this one out. Watch it as a fan. I can see it going in pretty much any direction. Uh. Obviously, Rocky. Rocky finish is in play, uh, and definitely uh, Rocky getting finished by uh, by Foster is in play as well, just because how vulnerable he is. If my memory is fine, and I'll just check it on Boxer quickly, Rocky hasn't been past like seven rounds in his career, has he? Everything, everything ends ends in the first. Yeah, half. I think he went the distance, but it was early in his career. And I think those were oh, like, yeah, those yeah. were like six rounders, not anything. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, he doesn't really he doesn't really have experience of going late, and not like and it's not like he's really trying to get that experience either. So. Hey, I think he's gonna come out like a house and fire. He's fighting in Mexico. He's fighting at home, so I guess the support there, the support is gonna be that he's gonna be all hyped up. He's gonna go start quick, and then I don't know. This is more on uh, on Foster to respond. Uh, to respond, Hugh, I think you have to go through a, a tough early couple rounds, and then if he starts getting uh, if he starts getting settled in, he could very much pick pick Rocky apart. But again, I don't know. I I can I can make a very compelling argument for early Rocky finish, early Foster finish, just catching uh, Rocky coming in and being wild, uh, Rocky wearing on Foster eventually, with constant work rate, body work and whatnot, and Foster finishing Rocky late just because Rocky's uh, would uh, would spunk would spunk the energy early, and then I could. Easily see it going to decision. Uh, Foster just kind of picking, picking Rocky apart. Rocky coming in, getting frustrated, and picking up a pretty clear decision. Or Rocky can <laughs> can just outwork him. I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen in this fight. If I had to pick the value side, would obviously be of Rocky's fighting at home. Sure, he had that bad loss early in his career, but hey, so did Foster. Foster is probably the best example of uh, Foster is a good example of fighters not being defined by the careers they suffer, by the setbacks they suffer early on or like in the early stages of the career. You can come back. It doesn't mean that you lost three years ago that you're going to lose now. Uh, people change, people improve. Uh, boxes change, boxes improve people. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, so 
if I had to pick a side, I'd go Rocky. Otherwise, like you like uh, you like to say, this is a fireball and popcorn kind of fight. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, actually, before getting to my analysis, I kind of wanted to bounce off something you said. Uh, it resonated as far as like Shocky being like a comeback story or kind of a motivational tale. I watched, um, you know, I always watch these like matchroom pre-fight features where they kind of go behind the scenes and stuff and they were using that thought process as far as shocky kind of overcoming like early career setbacks in the ring and i think you could actually use that line of thinking about him getting out of his pact with lou debella i mean like he was unable to fight in his prime years um just due to uh contractual nonsense and i don't know like what the actual issue was um, between he and, and Debella that, that went to court and that, you know, put a pause on his career for like almost two years. Um, but yeah, it's always just kind of odious to me when promoters um, put a stop to fighters being able to earn in the ring. I think that should just be like an absolute last case scenario where that is sort of avoided at all costs. So I'm happy for Foster that he, um, you know, bounced out of that situation, uh, got strapped up. So good for him. Um, yeah, as far as the fight goes, I did bet the under 10 and a half. I think it's uh noteworthy, interesting, whatever word you want to use, um, that the total's gone pretty much untouched despite Rocky's line movement. Um, in my mind, at least in the way I envisage this fight playing out, if Rocky is to have success, which I think he will, that has to be correlated with um, the under being a, a stronger player or, or more live to uh, to play out. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, also it doesn't necessarily have to be Rocky, like taking out the trash early. It could be, you know, like it, his sole KO defeat against Roger Gutierrez didn't come against um, a guy who's exactly like a murderous puncher. Um, so, yeah, real quick on the Foster side, I've just never been a huge Oshaki fan um he's got a bit of a slickster reputation um throughout his career which makes sense from you know having like a 50 percent ko rating but um or percentage but despite this i i rewatched um the yakubov fight on probellum and i don't i didn't remember as much leather being traded as there was in that fight that was a bit of a brawl and that sort of approach will very much not serve him here against someone like rocky i think it's it's fair to say um and the aforementioned promotional issues that I mentioned um, resulted in just like a period of inactivity in his career that I think has to be baked into the lines for this fight and is largely, I think, why you're seeing a lot of Rocky um, enthusiasm from betters. Um, you know, Rocky himself is certainly crude in the ring. No, no doubt about that. He doesn't jab or really set basically anything up like his hooks and, and whatnot. Um so you're looking at a possibility where Foster just sees everything coming a mile away and kind of styles on him for, for 12 rounds. Totally possible that happens. Um, but to me, I think if you're looking at like assessing the possibility, like how likely is it that we see either a Rocky early KO or Foster wearing him down for an attritional stoppage, I would cap that around like 40 to 45%. I think that would be generally the likelihood I would describe. And that is off by like a dollar from the under, which I got at plus 240. So, yeah, I, I'm pretty enthusiastic about that play. I think if you're playing the numbers and you're just um, organically capping a fight and comparing it to the lines we have, uh, I think the under is a, a pretty uh, 
pretty stellar play here. Um, it could be Rocky, it could be Foster. I'm team, I'm team Switzerland in that regard. But I do think someone is alive to get finished um before the ten and a half round mark. And it's just a confidence boost, as Vlad mentioned that Rocky has never even fought to that point. So yeah, I'm pretty confident in that play. Nice. What are the uh, what are the odds for inside just the general inside the distance just to get those kind of extra one point five rounds? Okay, so that's as well plus one sixty for for the inside the distance. Yeah. I can get on uh, I can get on the bet for That's that's not bad either because I think like you said, like a late stoppage. I I, I agree with your analysis with ten point five, but I'm a coward and I like that kind <laughs> of one point five rounds. Yeah. To me, it's not even because like I'll, I'll need to do the maths about like how likely that happens. Usually, like I need to sit down and do that. But to me, in my head, like I just think, fuck. If 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 I'm gonna bet like, um, if I'm gonna bet like the under that's close to the end, but then they they're gonna go past the under and they're gonna get stopped just like in the twelfth round, I'll be so fucking furious that I'd rather like take, I'd rather pay a little bit of the juice just to avoid that. But that just there you go. That's just my mindset. Uh, that's like a that's just my bias, basically, of wanting to be extra safe when I um, when I bet. Because like if if I bet something at plus money, or like if I think there's some value, uh, uh, most of the time I'd like try and keep it as simple as it is, just not to get caught in in that kind of spot where you bet something of good value, but then you want just even a little more value, and you start getting cute, and then you miss out on like your initial analysis just because you try to you know uh get that like extra 50 50 pence on the dollar or something like that um but look i don't don't let me set you off from betting te- uh, the under 10 and a half instead of the inside the distance uh i'll i'll look in I'll, I'll look into that fight a little more as well and maybe maybe i'll join you on the on the inside on the fight doesn't go to decision um what I'll definitely be joining you is the um, is the goes the distance on the Germany card because that's 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 right up my alley. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, my thought process was just like if for this to happen, I think it's uh, it's pretty front loaded, especially on the Rocky side. I don't think Rocky is going to build into like a ninth round KO. Um, yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, but yeah, to your point, Foster floored um, Yakubov in the twelfth round when they fought, so. Uh, yeah, you, you could certainly be correct there as far as doesn't go being the, the preferable way to go. <laughs> rocky round one K, you know, everyone gets to go home early, happy, oh, except O'Shaki Foster and his team, which, oh, O'Shaki Foster early KO will be, will be happy with that as well. Yeah, that would be the funniest outcome. I would love uh, a Foster KO between like one and three. That'd be very cool. Yeah, though, uh, that probably screw some bets up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, I would enjoy that. Um, all right. Well, I think that about does it. Yeah. There's nothing else for us to cover. Um, yeah. No UFC this week. They didn't want the smoke against Fury and Ganu. Um, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I thought, I thought Dana could be a vindicative fucking put on like a big, try and put a big pay per view and stuff. Listen, not even vindictive. I think this fight in Ganu Fury US time should probably be done by like, it's six a, or seven i would think yeah, so you yeah, can yeah, yeah. You, they could totally have just thrown a um yeah, yeah. a card I mean, on starting yeah. around then but it's got um they had a big they have the pay-per-view last week and they've got one coming up in two weeks i believe so i guess they're taking a little break yeah, it makes hey, sense Dana, they, 
Yeah, Dana, Dana hates and can if you I don't know if you followed the UFC embedded vlogs and whatever before the um before the events, but like I don't, but I saw it on Twitter. Because you know Kamaru Usman and Ganu, they're like they're friends. And um in preparation for Usman's last fight, like they were doing the fight week vlogs and the Usman was wearing a uh an Ganu t shirt. Uh, like as you do and and whatever, but on the UFC embedded vlogs, they fucking they blurred they blurred out the they blurred out the T-shirt from uh, Usman, so nobody fucking knows what he's wearing. Yeah, I respect that level of pettiness. Um, yeah, you know, you you got to do what you got to do. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Completely, I'm a big fan of Dana White's fuck it Friday videos in which he eats delicious meals <laughs> that have been uh, covered in like cake batter and dunked in a deep fryer. Did you know the? Uh, did you know he does like several of those videos in one go? Oh, yeah, that's like he uh, like I've read because like he's on a quote unquote like super strict diet of his PT, uh, read steroids, uh, so like he's looking after his health and weight, so so he doesn't he do it every week. He does he does just like a bunch of them. And he doesn't he shoots a bunch of them and just posts them like throughout the next couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah, good for him. One of the one of the one of the good guys in the sport, I think. Uh, Dana White, shout out to him. Um, all right. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's just recap our bets real quick. So, all told, for me, I'm going goes the distance with the Leon Hearth fight in um in Germany, minus one fifty. I think probably anything below like minus two hundred is value. Yeah, I mean, like minus two twenty. Anything better than that, I think, is. Kind of generous pricing. I'm all over the um Joseph Parker under. I, I'm very fond of that play. I'll probably also tack on some um early round stuff just in case I feel that's badly off from how I see it. Um and then finally Oshaki Foster and Rocky Hernandez. I've got going under 10 and a half at a plus 240. Vlad, how about you? Yeah, so I've got the um I've got the few in Ganu over 4.5 rounds. I got that uh minus 150, I believe the uh the rounds are up to 5.5, so I'm not too sure. So I'm not too sure if I touch the 5.5. I, I still think that there might be a bit of value if it's like if it's plus money or whatnot. But 4.5 I like, minus 150. David Adelaide, I got him at pl- plus 250. I think there's I think there's still plenty of value on him. He's well like plus 200, plus 220 now. And I've got the Mahmoud of Right under two point five rounds. I got it minus one six three five. Uh, minus one six minus one six three. I believe the uh, odd, the lines have dropped down to one point five. But let me check. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So now, uh, now on that three six five, it's one point five rounds. But you can take the under plus money, which I mean, like at plus money, it, it ain't bad, but. If you can't get the two point five, I'd look at the uh Mahmoudov rounds one and two instead. Group that and see if you can get like a nice little plus number for that. That's that's exactly where I was looking. I just checked um Paddy Power FanDuel and one two is minus one fifty. That could be value in hindsight if yeah, this yeah, goes yeah. Look, the way we think. Look, uh, and then because uh one two the retirement on the stool that counts as a mm-hmm. as a round two, doesn't it? Yep. Unless and they do go- that uh the old trick of like one second into the next round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 the moment you start punching TVs. But um, <laughs> usually, yeah, usually like the real. And I think Mahmoudov is somebody like you go out, you feel his power, you go back to the stool, 
you might you your coach might not let you come out, especially if you're coming on on like a bit of short notice, not in the best shape. So yeah, uh, Macmillan one and two that'd be my recommended bet if you cannot get the under two point five. So and I'll probably be uh, look. I'll I'll probably be on everything here on as well. I'll I'll, I'll take a little deeper dive into uh, Simon Keane and uh, yeah, I'll maybe play some variation of Foster Hernandez. Um, not going the distance as well. Good deal. Um, well, hell yeah, that's another pod and weave in the books. We will be back when we're back. It's not like twenty twenty three is going out with a bang. We've got um some decent weekends, but uh, there are going to be some to skip. So Vlad and I will confab and see when it's appropriate to come back um vlad thanks as always uh give him a follow on twitter uh at v cram combat cram with a k um follow some friends of the show dan tom mma die hard mma pod lucrative mma um that whole gang uh really sharp fellas and yeah we'll be back as soon as possible uh in the meantime hope you guys catch unless your bets clash with ours. And uh, thanks so much for listening. Keep the same energy.